Morning all. Thank you for three of you. Thank you. Should we try it again? Morning. Good, 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 good. Right, okay. We have got lots to do. So if you are visiting us for, and weren't here last week, apologies. I will try to make this make sense because it is the second part uh, of our stuff. So, excellent, good. Now, um, as we were worshipping, actually it's been overnight, I've been, we played, we played Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit last night. Okay, most of you are not with me there, right? There is a part, they didn't show this bit, but it was, I was reminded that in the third film, there's a point where one of the hobbits lights a beacon, and these lights go over the top of the mountains. Do you remember that bit, the lighting of the beacons? Lighting the beacons is kind of important. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of cause for help. It's sometimes a sign that help has come. It's a symbolic thing. And, uh, and there's a great line, because all these fires take, kind of go right across the mountains. And they did this in New Zealand when they filmed it. And one of the characters says, hope is rekindled. And actually, if there was one thing I want you to kind of get in your mind today is about hope being rekindled. I've been thinking a little bit about hope in that um, hope is not an easy thing. Hope is really dangerous. Because if you have hope and it is dashed, then you're lost. If you hope for something to happen and it doesn't happen, that's really painful. And I kind of feel that I want to dare you today to rekindle hope. I think there's some here that you've kind of got to... I don't have any hope for that situation. I don't expect it to change. I don't expect God to meet me. I don't expect him to answer my prayers. I just don't expect that stuff. I don't expect my situation to be better. I don't expect these people to meet with God. I don't expect my family. You know what? I'm kind of saying, how about daring to hope? And often hope feels weak, but it's actually really, really risky in that sense because it's really painful when it doesn't happen. And I think if we did a show of hands here, we could probably... Uh, I could probably get a lot of people who could say, yep, I have had hope that has not worked out. And so that's kind of what I want us to go a little bit with today. And uh, we will see what we're doing. Right, what I would like to do is, I know we've got a lot of young people with us and younger people, so it is for you. You don't have to be drawing your stuff yet, right? No sign saying five minutes left. I know what you're up to already. Okay. I want to get your brains going and your mouths going, right? So I'm going to show you... Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I shall... Ah, Simmons, senior, come and be my scribe. The question I want to ask is... uh, Or the statement is, family is when... Dot, 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 right? Oh, yes, you have to pick the pen that works. Right. Family is when. I tell you what, I will show you a quick video to whet your appetite. We'll do the the iPhone one, the short one. And then we will get on with this question. You will be able to discuss it with the people you are sitting around. If there is anyone a bit quiet, don't bully them unless they are under 15. And then they must be bullied relentlessly. Okay? Right? And I will turn my back on any violence, that's fine. You can hit them as well. Right, okay. Let's get this right. Okay, and they have some more tomorrow. Right. Mmm. Mmm. Well, do it again. Oh, go on then. 
carpet and they've had some more experience. It's a horrible thing. Where's Corinne? She's dressed. Right, okay. The point is, you don't actually have to know the content, right? What happened? Naomi's there. We'll get her to stand up and do the thing again in a minute. Right, Naomi's there, and she is obviously, is she happy or is she sad? She's happy, right? And what happens? Actually, I'll tell you what happened after that. After someone else goes and gives a hug, who gave her a hug? Sam. (laughs) Julie wasn't there, but I'm sure she would have done. Actually, there was a queue of people hugging her. We really didn't know what she'd said. (laughs) But what we knew is that she was excited. And we, you know, after Sam went and hugged her, I think Claire was was there. I went and hugged her. I didn't know what was going on. I wanted to get in on the act. (laughs) You know what? If she'd been crying, we'd have been crying there with her as well, right? But it's good to see a happy one, right? She'd just heard the offer on her house had been accepted, right? Those were the words. Any of you move interpretation? Those were the words that were there, (laughs) all right? So, and the reason we were all excited, (laughs) even though we didn't know what happened, is because we're family, Family means we're excited, right? So you have got one minute for the people around you to come up with an answer to the statement, family is when, dot, dot, dot. Okay? Off you go. Okay, right. Okay. Let's see. Hands up if you have an answer. Right, Joel has an answer, but he's shy of it. Go on, Joel, shout out in your biggest voice. Family is when you feel secure. Excellent, good, next one. Oh, I see another hand, is that Darren? When you enjoy. When you enjoy, excellent, good. Josh? When you feel good for each other, I like that. Kirillin? When you're together. Sam? When you share everything, good and bad. Matt? Sticking together. I saw another hand over here. Being together in hard times. Being together in hard times. When you feel loved. When you feel you can be honest and be yourself. Excellent. Good. Let me give you another one because I want to kind of break into a different zone. All right? Jeremy and Jane were coming over to dinner, but they weren't coming over to like a candlelit dinner because I often do candlelit dinners all the time it saves pain to go out right anyway Uh, and they were coming over for a kind of it was like a a dinner you know the kind of dinner when it involves baked beans we're talking a kind of ordinary dinner there was no baked beans it was like a baked bean dinner we we have this we have this special we have this special dish in our house using leftover chicken and stuff I call it chicken gloop Right. Apparently it's chicken fricassee. I have other words for it, and I won't say them here. Right. It could have been a chicken fricassee kind of thing. Right. They came over ordinary, and I came in because I'm a caring, loving husband. I saw there was washing up to done and I do, and I thought I will wash up. And as I was washing up, I thought actually, family is when you do the washing up. See, if Jane and, and Jeremy had come over for, a, you know, the candlelit meal, I wouldn't have had them do the washing up. But they were part of family. They were coming to our family time. They were with the kids, you know, and there was food flying everywhere. It, kind of like, it felt like it was different rankings of dinner, right? 
Some of you get them to do the washing up anyway. I spoke to Elspeth. Elspeth and I feel they're away in Paris. How very posh. And she said, no, they're oh, you're back. <laughs> Not gone yet. <laughs> Has there been a fight? Ooh. Ooh, right, okay. Oops. Little bit of uncovering there. Dear. <laughs> Phil's not here. Has he gone to Paris without you? Okay, right. <laughs> right, anyway, Elspeth said that if, um, if she had people over the candlelit dinner, she'd make them wash up anyway, which is funny because I was there a couple of weeks ago and I didn't wash up, I just went. So anyway, okay, so how about that? Any kind of more gritty things? Who got loved, cared for, you know, anyone's like washing up? Friends where they... Notice when things aren't right. Notice when things aren't right. We're still kind of all theory there. You know what? I noticed something with with uh, with Andy. I've got family is when you collect the kids. Yes, I've often seen Andy like Pied Piper collecting other people's kids. <laughs> it's either kids or rats. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> uh, family is when you have a key. That's a special thing for me and the Hiltons particularly. Long story there, right? Families when you don't have to give a backstory. Families when you come in by the back door. Hmm. Anyone can, can anyone access your back door? When my, when my grandparents uh, were still alive, we were actually, because we, they were struggling get, getting up, we used to go and go in through the back door. In fact, anybody here... Other than Martin and me, a fan of Mrs. Brown's boys. They all come, all the dodgy ones, you can see there's certain people coming through the back door and certain people coming through the front door. Yes. And you really want to be a back door person, don't you? That's a sense of intimacy, unless you're Buster. She doesn't want Buster to come in at all. Okay, all right. Well, I'm pleased to say that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking today, so that's good that you all like that. Good, we will move on. Right, let's have a quick, oh, have I got the clicky? All right, quick recap on last week. So, all the bits are up there. If you remember, last week we talked a little bit about, I referred to the monkey business video that Jamie showed, which shows all these monkeys doing something, and I don't really know why they're doing it anymore. We talked about the turkey. Do you remember the story, or the true, true story, about people cutting the legs off the turkey before they put it in the oven? And when asked, they said, I did it because my mum did it. And when they asked mum, they said, because granny did it. And they discovered that the reason they were cutting the legs off the turkey was the turkey back three generations ago was too big for the oven. But they were still cutting the legs off it because that's what they'd seen done. And they had forgotten why they were doing it. And then we talked a little bit about church as a polo. A polo is what? Round. <laughs> Round, thank you. Right? A polo is a mint without a centre. And we talked a little bit about getting our centre back. Yeah, we could have lots of action um, and we could miss out the costly revelation that has caused us to have that activity and that kind of thing. And partly we want to be looking at recapturing revelation. We're not rebuilding like the 1970s. That's when this church started. We're just reusing the bricks. Good, good, good. Right. So... Recapturing the centre. There we go. Remember, what mints did I give out last week? Extra strong mints. They have got a centre, you see. I was prophetically restoring your centre. Somebody stole Ethan Cole's mints. That wasn't very nice. It was Joel. 
There you go. Right, okay. So this, this week we want to look at finding the family gems. So, and the th- things I want to get out of this, I want you to be searching for what these things are. We're not going to kind of unveil all the gems today. The gems center, I'm going to kind of interchange a little bit. I want to look at how they affect us now. I want those questions to be asking. What, what are the things that made us who we are as a group of people? And how do they affect us now? I want to make sure we don't miss out on heritage that came before. So, let's have a look. Okay. We're gonna, I just want to read you a bit. If you have your Bibles with you, you are unusual. Um, you're probably a visitor if you have your Bible with you. I know what the rest of you are like. <laughs> I've got one. That's good. Right, we're turn to Revelation 2. And Jeremy, if you can come, ready to go. Where is he? I've lost Jeremy. Oh, there he is. Right. Good. I'm gonna get, we're going to do two readings here. So, this is about the church in Ephesus. So, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. Lampstand, sorry. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's quite quite a good commendation. Faithful, pretty solid, like us. That's us, right? Thing is, there's a but. There's always a but. Here we go. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things uh, you did at first. Yeah? There's a, there's, a, there's a but there. There's a change. They're doing a bunch of good. They've persevered. They've done a bunch of good stuff. But they've lost something. That first love. I would say that's, for, we're talking about that center, that gem, that thing. And I think that's a warning to us. Jeremy, let's hear from my old mate Jerry Cook. There you go. See if you can pick out the things that he says, the key things. It is my conviction that groups change from the centre, the core, and not from the outer parameters. In other words, pressure comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Pressure from the edge can change the shape of things, but it seldom alters the substance of the group itself. For this reason, it is important to identify a healthy core of people. They may or may not be the current visible leaders or office holders. I identify these people by looking for lights and life. When I talk about my understanding of the church as a force, I look for those eyes that light up and the people who come to life. I'm not even pushing for understanding. I'm just looking for a pulse. These people may be in a group I'm talking to or just part of casual conversation. When I see them, I will begin to engage in some process of ongoing conversation. I'm looking for a test group, people who will join me in becoming what I'm talking about. I intentionally pastor these people, though not to the exclusion of the rest of the congregation. I'm the shepherd of all the sheep. Note that it doesn't take a huge number of these individuals to affect dramatic change in the church. And if the people are truly on the same page, it doesn't take an enormous amount of time for change to occur. Once a concept is born and health begins, it feeds on itself and grows. Thank you very much. That was a big reading. 
But there's some key things I want to pick out. Firstly, he talks about any change. You can change the shape of stuff by putting pressure, but any real change happens from the inside out. It happens from us, it happens from our core, and actually a core group of people in that sense. It's interesting, he talks about, I want people whose eyes light up. Now, I remember a number of years ago that I had a, a vision, a proper vision. I was in a prayer meeting. I'd gone to prayer meeting and I really was not tuned in. I wasn't ready for the prayer meeting. I wasn't in the right state of mind. And I just shot a quick arrow of prayer and said, God, if you don't meet me, I know I'm going to poke people. I'm going to be a disruption here. And then I, I went on this kind of whole um, waking vision. It's, I've never had anything like that before or since. And it's interesting, we kind of started to process a little bit of this thing. And I was talking to people and different people responded different ways. And I remember one of my friends said this. He said, I don't really understand what you're saying, but I think there's something in it. His eyes lit up. And there were other people going, oh, I don't really get it. don't really get it. But it was the eyes. You don't have to understand. We haven't got to be intellectually powerful. We've just got to be present and ready to hear. It's interesting what Jerry Cook talks about. He says he intentionally goes after people. If I see someone with their eyes lighting up, if he sees something dropping into them, if they get revelation, he goes, it doesn't mean I neglect everyone else, but he goes after them. And the other thing, he says, just a few can make a real difference. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm not thinking that for us, it's just a few of us get stuff. I think it can be all of us. In fact, this is my thing, is I want to be in the place of the few. I want to be one of the few, all right? You know, there's some fantastic things about us. Um, when I'm hearing part of the work of Faith Action, we come in touch with other churches and, and some of the big churches and different things. And what I've realized is there are some things that we stand out for, particularly this house, uh, our relationship, our commitment, that kind of thing. But one of the things that, that underpins that is our serving, yeah? It's really key. Now, I'm about to, I realize I'm out of order now, but let me just do a quick show of hands. Who here uh, is involved in kids' work? Obviously, there's a bunch out. Anyone involved in kids' work? Right, keep your hands up. Who here is involved in setup? Who here is involved in group leadership? Who here is involved in music? Now, you've all got to keep all your hands up. The point is, the point is, if you look around a little bit, pretty much... I would say four-fifths of the church are involved in something. You can put your hands up. Stewarding, yeah, 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 yeah. we can do them all. But, you know, can be, the point is, there's lots and lots of stuff that are involved. Now, if, what, what I'm picking up is when you go to some churches that are bigger, okay, and that means there's less, less need for everyone to do stuff, but the proportion of people involved shrinks. So to some extent, some of the bigger churches have got more potential but it's unreached. We were, I think I might have said this last week, we were uh, hearing about one of the large churches over in West London. And they said, you know, we've got 30 volunteers involved in, in youth work. I said, great. We've kind of pretty much have 30 volunteers involved here. They've got a congregation of 3,000. We've got a congregation of 300. Yeah? Our level of mobilization is really key. So that's why I think there is lots of us that will be picked up in that reading he goes on to talk about when he was sharing on the book of ephesians and some people came up and said hey what we need to get to grips with this church life let's let's talk and they started meeting just unofficially on a wednesday night 
And he said, it's the funny things he described. He said, yeah, we would talk into the night. Sometimes the women would go off and do something, the guys would do something else, and we'd scoop up the kids in the wee small hours, poor things, and take them home. There's something about grabbing hold of revelation that means we, you know, normal practice goes out. At, um, at the conference at Clear Sound, we decided to have an evening meeting where we had everyone together. And uh, it was a little place that kids could kind of run off steam. But a lot of you kept your kids in, and they fell asleep. You put them under the chairs or whatever. Um, and, and we just kept going because we were all together. Yeah. I, I was listening to, um, uh, to Bill Johnson talking about uh, some stuff that was happening, had been happening in Bethel. He said he commended the people there. He said, because when miraculous things happened, some of you ran out of the meeting to get into the kids' work to drag the kids back. Assuming there wasn't things happening in the kids' work, all right? Some of you drove across town. Some of you phoned each other to get there to see what was happening. Because we want to get in there. We want to be active. We want to, oh, yeah, the kids need their sleep. Yeah, of course they need their sleep. Kids need their sleep. Yeah, 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 I'll need all that. But wouldn't it be good to meet with the living God? I'm up for that. You know, I've got this little note, this little dodgy bit of post-it I've been carrying around for weeks. It says, don't let me be worked around. One of my greatest fears is people will say, right, Daniel, he's like that. So we'll work around him. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I might be to you lot. Uh, He doesn't listen enough. Uh, I don't know. I could think better for you guys. I could think of hands. Let's think of things wrong with hands. Uh, <laughs> I know. It could be something like, oh, you know, he's been around. He don't change. Uh, he's not ready to hear stuff. He kind of, he'll want to do things in particular ways. He'll want to sit in the same seat. I don't want that to be me. You know, we have this thing about we're not allowed to be over 40. That's about our, our way of being, as to the presence of mind. Yeah, it's not really about age, obviously. Otherwise, I'm illegal now. Um, And if you work backwards, it means my father's 10 years old. It's about being flexible, ready to go. I heard a story about our early days and the group in Tottenham, and there was a call for some stewarding on a Sunday, a call for stewarding on a Wednesday night. Out of the 45 people connected with that church, 43 people went to do it. They're available. They're ready to do it. You'll be thinking, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't drop everything at the last minute. I don't think on the day of Pentecost, those guys were all there with nothing to do. I think things got dropped. I think they went to do things. They were present. They were available. Right. This is about finding our core. So uh, what I want to do is I want to hear from our very own crowd of witnesses. You know, I talked about the veterans last week. We have taped some of the veterans. If we get a chance, I'm going to interview some. The questions I put up last time is what, the, what made them do what they did? Why did they take such risks? What was the cost? And then those reflective questions of us. Do I value it too cheaply? Is there a baton to pick up? But our task today, which I'm going to get into groups to do in a minute, is to identify the gems, the thing, the centre, the bits, the stuff. Right? Good. I've got about 50% of you. The rest of you are glazing over already. Right. But as we listen to these, we're going to have interviewed a couple of people I want you to try and think, what is the thing that motivated them? What was, the, what was the precious thing? What was the thing that made them do stuff? So my intrepid, it, uh, we'll kick off with, we kick off with Flash. Gordon, sorry. 
I always call him Flash. Well, Gordon, I was um, hearing that, uh, you know, as a teenager, young man, you were, you were quite a party animal. <laughs> t- t- tell us about that. Well, I suppose from when, when I was about uh, 13, 14, I used to enjoy the sort of uh, going to local discos and things that would let kids in at that sort of age. And as I got a bit older, I kind of got into... Uh, the music scene and playing it and playing, uh, learning to play guitars and being yeah. being part of a band and that kind of thing. Right, go on. And what, what was your role in the band? I was uh, fronting it as the singer and the um, uh, <laughs> guitarist. So you were the lead guy? Yes, well, I had ambitions to be. I don't, don't think we were that good, but, uh, you know, you had that sort of dream. <laughs> so, so you didn't quite break into the big time? No. And was this... Was this just a creative streak or was this a rebellion of some kind? Um, I think it was probably a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was certainly against anything that uh, parents would have wanted me to do. And but uh, Why is that? Well, because um, having been sort of brought up, I was brought up um, in what was known as the Plymouth Brethren. Um, now that's my- quite a strict... Uh, arrangement, isn't it? It is. It's quite a strict arrangement. There are a number of um, traits that I suppose we would call quite legalistic now. It gave you a good grounding in um, the Bible and Bible stories. And you were telling me that uh, as part of your partying lifestyle, something happened on your 18th birthday when you were at work. Yes, I was uh, at that time I was working in a children's home in um, Hackney Wick and the staff decided they wanted to give me an 18th birthday and they involved all the children in that and I got uh, hopelessly and paralytically drunk. At at work? At work. (laughs) With with the kids? With the kids, (laughs) um, which was actually in those days was seen as quite acceptable. Um, Probably the the only time of my life where I've really got into that sort of state. Okay. So you'd had this kind of quite strict upbringing. Yeah. But now you were finding yourself, you were rebelling a bit, front man of a band, partying, getting paralytic drunk. Um, Then what happened? Then started thinking, well, actually, this ain't that nice. Mm -hmm. This ain't that good. It's all a bit hopeless, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I made the decision um, shortly after to sort of start coming along with them and to actually get involved... um, in what you know, in, in in this church as it was then, uh-huh, and that's uh-huh. back in you know, it's back in 1978. And and right, so did that was that costly then in some way? It was costly in the sense that I felt that I couldn't continue uh, with the band. There was that kind of dream and hope that. Yeah. But you at had. the time. Oh, at the time, it felt very. It you, felt like you a, were on the cusp. Yeah, it felt like I was giving up something that could be. You know, mm-hmm. that might have been really big. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And and the the friends that you went partying with? The friends that I was with, no, I had to let them go. They. So what was it that was so radical about the church then that caused this reaction amongst others? It was new, it was different, it was um, the whole thing of speaking in tongues, that was a very big thing, particularly to sort of anybody who was in traditional churches. right. So, in a sense, I, I, I was still feeling a bit rebellious in, in okay. that I was joining a, a, a type of church that uh, a lot of my family and uh, at the time thought was, you know, yeah. a bit weird. Yeah, but it was unshackled, wasn't it? Yes. Because it wasn't part of 
tradition mm. and religious rules and that yeah, stuff. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, uh, and and did you do unshackled things? To begin with, no. But after a couple of months, I was in a meeting. I'd asked. I decided that I wanted to get baptized uh, in water. Um, and the house group leader at the time just sort of said, well, he's asked, you know, Gordon's asked to be baptised in water and I think we should pray for him tonight to be filled with the Spirit. We were um, worshipping and suddenly I just started speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. It felt totally natural, but at the same time mm-hmm. it felt really weird. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think after that happened, I felt like I wanted to save the world. So any of my friends or people I was working with, whether they were Christians or not, I was trying to get them to come to church and think, oh, you know, get them saved. And um, so there was kind of like a, there was a keenness, which in some ways was immature, but in in other ways, I I wish I still had that that same sort of keenness now at times. Right, right. And what was the kind of community spirit? What was the kind of sense of belonging at that time? The... The um, the house church and your house group was a very big part of church and you couldn't wait to get there uh, and you'd try and get there early so you could get the you could get a decent seat and you didn't have to sit on the floor. <laughs> and it was a good time. We'd worship, we'd probably reflect on what was being taught or the, mm-hmm. the house groups. There, there, there were quite a lot of people in them. The age range was from, you know, from people in their 70s to people of, you know, my age of 18 and all ages in between, but it worked. Right, let me tell you where we're going. So that's the first one. Hopefully you picked some bits. It's long, I know. We've got some bits in there. Uh, Not not particularly talking about drunkenness whilst looking after children, but there you go. Um... We're going to listen to one more, and then what you're going to do is this. I've been looking where you... I kind of wanted to mix up young people, but you are mixed up. Yes, something very mixed up. Right, Okay. What we're going to do after we hear the next one is you're going to get into groups of no more than six people, and you are going to, one, identify what you think are the gems. What are the things? What's the revelation? What's the the thing that kind of got people going? And you may find in your group you may have some veterans that have some gems to, you know, to get out of them, right? I'll tell you what, let's look at this slide. It will help us. Oh, I could look at the slide, but no. Ah, I can look at the slide in a minute. Right, okay. Um, and I want you then, we'll take some feedback, quick fire feedback, and then uh, I want you to represent that, that uh, gem, either as some kind of montage, yeah, some kind of freeze frame, dramatic, or I'll give you some paper, you can do a drawing or something like that. Or a song, you know, if you want to quickly write a song, whatever, we'll have some feedback of those gems. Look at the excitement on your faces. <laughs> Just Julia Tizard, right? The rest of you, you know, a little bit dodgy, feels already napping off. Right, okay, good, right? So listen to the next one. We've got Lynn Coles. We've actually got him here. I keep on thinking he's in Sierra Leone, but he's here. Right, can I do... There we go. That's you lot. And most of you are the one at the top. Yes, yeah, little miners, miners of gems. Yeah, you're not getting that either. Right, okay, there you go. Yeah, dopey. <laughs> right, okay, let's listen to the next one, and then we will break into groups. Uh, no more than six. If you are more than six, then you can't count, and you'll be sent home early next week. <laughs> right, good, let's have the next one. 
So, Lynn, I don't actually know much about what you were doing as a young man and how you encountered the the Holy Spirit. But I, I gather you went to, to Bible college, is that right? Yeah, um, it was actually called a missionary training college. At the time, I thought I was going to Borneo. But when I got there, I enjoyed the course, but on the way, I met Ruth. Ah, that's what you and that, that changed everything. Yeah. Because she was going to the Seychelles and I was going to, the, to Borneo. How was that going to work? Uh, <laughs> so, so who changed? <laughs> both of us. Right. We both changed. When we got married, we ended up going to Spain. Okay. And, and what did you do in Spain? Uh, but we met up with uh, two people who were leading a, a small group of expats who were... Uh, basically met regularly on Sundays and during the week right. uh, in a small fellowship. And those people were actually the parents of Dave Mansell, who was one of the people who was at the beginning of what is now Lifeline Community Church. Right. Gosh, so it was his parents running a kind of little house church in Spain. Yeah, that's correct. And um, what, what, what was it like? Well, it's interesting. It was, it was different, of course, but it was what Ruth and I were looking for. Which was? The Holy Spirit at work. Right. And seeing it happen, and it changed our lives because while we were there in Spain, we got baptised in spirit, both of us. So this was radical then? Absolutely. It I changed everything. Changed, changed our, our whole perspective, but we were so happy because it was, we just knew there had to be something more. And yet, I, I gather, when you came back to the UK through one Marines or another, you ended up joining an Anglican church <laughs> as, as youth pastors. How did that happen? Well, we ended up as youth pastors, but we didn't go to that church on that basis. We weren't pursuing that kind of thing at all. Um, it was the nearest church to where we lived, and we felt that we wanted to be involved in the community and uh -huh. make, make a difference in the community. Right. The vicar, bless his heart, he was a lovely man, but he wasn't going to allow us the freedom to operate in the things of the Spirit. And when we were involved with the youth there, that's what we were doing. That's what we were teaching them. That's what we were presenting to them. That's what we were bringing to them. And, and how was it for the young people? Quite revolutionary. One of them's in Lifeline Church now. Who's that? Uh, Virginia. Or Ginny, <laughs> Ginny Purser, as she is now. Or Ginny Peters, as she was then. Wow. And she actually prayed us. She's convinced that she prayed us into that church because she herself was looking for the same kind of experience. Wow. And we arrived, and she just befriended us because she knew that that's what we believed. Right. But, but here you are. She's prayed you in, looking yeah. for the Holy Spirit. You're here excited, ministering in the Holy Spirit to the young people, and yet there's a vicar who's not really going along with it. I mean this in a nice way. He was a little bit of a control freak. If it was something that was happening was outside of his measure of control, um, he was fearful. He basically said that he didn't want us to lead the youth anymore. And we knew that that was really, in a sense, that was our opportunity for anything else was gone. Um, and we weren't therefore happy to stay in that place uh, because we wouldn't have been allowed to live at the level that we wanted to live at. So you, you quit for something more radical? Yep, we quit for what we did know about, okay. what was then called North London Community Church, NLCC. 
So it wasn't something we were unaware of, but it was that point in time where we decided that that's when we had to make that, that step into something which we believed would continue to be that, that more radical thing. We left, and about a, six months later or so, um, Virginia followed us because she wasn't satisfied anymore. So it's very restrictive. And as I say, he was a lovely man. His wife was a lovely lady. But sadly, he wasn't allowing us to live mm-hmm. in the way that God wanted us to live. So yeah. we had to go. And you wouldn't compromise on that now, would you? Oh, absolutely not. I have absolutely no regrets. Uh, it was the best thing that ever happened. Um, and that's the continuing reason why I'm still here now. Yeah. Sadly, Ruth isn't with me, but mm. together we were totally focused on the vision that John, John Singleton mm. had. That was the thing that has kept us here, even though different things have changed along the way for other people. The one thing that we knew was right was the, the vision that John had and his, his integrity in the holding to that vision. Mm-hmm. That just, it wasn't was and is a continuing inspiration to me. Great. That's fascinating. Thanks for for sharing that story. Right, Okay. So, two big chunks there. Hopefully you've kind of picked up some stuff. I want you to, you have to move your seats, move around a little bit, scare people that have never seen you before, all those kind of things. Do it once. I'm going to give you three minutes and I'm going to get some feedback and then then you can start doing your montages, drama and other things. Okay, let's do a quick check, see what you've got so far. Who has identified a gem, they think? Hands up. Yes, Sue. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, start for 10. Excellent, good. Something else, someone in the back. Any gems there? No, oh, oh, Amanda. Hungry. That's not a statement about your personal status at the moment. No. (laughs) Okay. Good, but hungry for something, yes. Something else? Oh, is that the only? Integrity. Integrity, good. Yeah. Radical. Radical, good. Like not, settling. Not, settling. not settling. Not settling for second best, good. Kind of, yes. Hmm. Relationship, yeah, relationship, but kind of through people to people, from people. It's like the American Constitution. Right, okay. Sam. Sacrifice, yes. Got a little taste of that, particularly with Lynn's thing about having to leave something. Some people were kicked out. I think, I mean, that's, that's the truth. Some people were kicked out of different meetings, that kind of thing. I know for my in-laws, they were removed, marched out, because they were praying. Right. We're radical, yes? Change of life, yes. Giving up to gain more. Excellent. Good. Anything from this section? Ah. Family. Right. Good. Now. Oh, I'll turn my microphone off. Now's the fun bit. You now have to take the essence of what you've heard and change it into something visual. Like a freeze frame or some kind of snapshot. Oh, look at that. We're gonna, not going to get to show everyone. We've got some paper. Sia is here. Sia, be upstanding. Sia's got flip chart paper. You can have flip chart paper and one picture. You have got 
or I'll give you another three minutes to give me a representation. I'm expecting people to leap out of their chairs to swing through the rafters. So I have this group here. Uh, they are all oh, kind of like a rugby scrum gone wrong. So would you like to tell me what's going on here? Right, Peter is the Holy Spirit, obviously, right? Putting Good. Out, putting my dad out of a uh, locked situation. It's pulling, it's pulling Simmons out of a locked situation. It's at the back, so you can't do it like that, right? Okay, Anthony, you got one? Yeah, here's Sue in a little holly huddle here. Yeah, we're illustrating relationship. We're having a good hug at the back. <laughs> That's lovely. Right, what have we got here? Um, okay, around Jeremy, I've got lots of people with their hands like that. Uh, Jeremy, what's going on? Oh, the tongues of fire. Okay, good, good, good. Right, good. Right, we've okay. got... At the back here... Get back there. At the back here, we've got a group who are all peering out. What's going on, Gary? We're following a vision. Following a vision. Very good, very good, right. Here we've got uh, either Ethan's grown or he's been upheld. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> once more, once more, right? Oh, I see the line. Right, okay, good. Making it, okay, good. We're sacrificing something, good, right? Am I, I'm in our wrong place, Matt, for squeaking. Right. Uh, what you got, Anthony? Uh, we've got a runner here. What's going on? Um, I'm sacrificing uh, the cool lifestyle to go walk for God. Oh, you're, okay. walking, you're walking away from the others. Okay, here we've got a picture of smiley faces, sad faces. That's all to do with the fact there's four faces at the top. One's sad, one's actually suffering from too much drink. Another person's got a knife in his hand. Another person's got a cigarette over there. They're all going through a tough time. Right. And then you've got four pictures. And the Holy Spirit comes and changes it. Right, good. Yeah, I always say, oh, if you can't get it by looking at it, you shouldn't have to read it. Right, okay. Thank you. We've got a great picture here. Do you want to explain it for us? Yeah, it's basically he's searching through the trees and the mountain. And he's got his Mac... Um, magnifying glass. What's he searching for? Um, for the Holy Spirit. Oh, good. Good. Right, we'll go for one more here. Oh, that means I'm leaving my wife out. Right. Actually, no, I want to do that one. Hold that one up there. Let's see, Malachi's one. Right, what's going on, Malachi? The gift of tongues. Oh, right, well done. Right. Despite your miserable faces, you actually enjoyed it. We will, uh, we'll try and get the ones we didn't get. And we're also going to have, in the nutshell, we will have another interview that we have not had a chance to have today. It's a teaser for you. Yes. So when you get the nutshell, you can click on that and you'll get that through to that. Right. Okay. Oh, I lost my clicker. Right. Here we go. So these are the key things we picked up last time. Okay. Um, we looked at the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes, the gospel shared with boldness and with results. Actually, Gordon said that, didn't he? He wanted to go and tell everyone. He had a boldness. He may not have had, you know, it all together, but he had a boldness. Fellowship of believers, everything. They're bashing the machine there, right, okay. Fellowship of believers, everything in common. These are some other things. A hunger to be together. We've got some hunger there. And to learn, yeah? 
and serving that intentional thing on the on the tape that you've not heard was this whole thing when we were serving when there was a need we got there and we did there we did stuff it wasn't just a holy huddle it had action and i think one of the things coming across again and again and again we talked about burying the car last time is stuff was done on purpose it didn't just happen. We weren't just some, some kind of nice, kind of 70s kind of flared hangout. People did stuff. They acted. And I think that's part of our call to do today. Let's have a little look at this. Right. One of my, uh, one of the verses I find most challenging in, uh, in the Bible is in, in Psalms. It's Psalms 130. It says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive to my, uh, to my cry for mercy. Sorry, let your ears be attentive. I'll put that further down. Um, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. I wait in his word. I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Now, I'm particularly picking up on the watchman thing, that waiting for morning. And uh, it's something, I, the reason I put Pentecostal watchmen is if you look back at the start of the Pentecostal church movement, there were a bunch of people that read stuff in the Bible about the Holy Spirit coming and they weren't experiencing it. And they just went around preaching, preaching it, which they hadn't seen. They preached and preached and preached and preached until suddenly this woman at the back of the church started speaking in tongues. And they preached it and they preached it. It's amazing you think the people preaching it hadn't experienced it, but they had their eyes on something. They wanted something. They were watchmen. They were waiting for the dawn. They were waiting to see things happen. If any of you have ever had a child who's ill or even sat with someone uh, as they're going through their dying days, a dying period, it's a, the night is a hard time. And I think when we talk about watchmen, they're longing for the morning. I don't know why it is, but it always seems to be kids always get iller at night. Yeah? People seem to die predominantly at night. And there's all those things. And so that, that longing, that desire, that let the day come. That's part of that desire we need within us. To long for God to come, to long for the Holy Spirit, to climb the mountain. Because we want to see that thing come. We want to see a Holy Spirit amongst us. We want to see an infilling in that sense let's uh, let us try jamie the film clip right okay now the key thing here has happened this is about a um you can see all the stuff i've been watching recently right no 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 right this is about a american football team in a school during the whole period where they were starting to integrate things again huh yeah, racial integration. Do you want to have a fiddle? Come. We've got him off his seat. It's marvellous. Right, OK. So um, this school had... Uh, they were integrating the football team, the American football team. That's a big deal. And, uh, and this chap, who we'll see any moment, hopefully, came to speak to them about, about what God was doing on the back of a Billy Graham mission in the early 1970s. So it's around the time we're talking about have you ever noticed that when, um, when we have a time of worship and there's a real quiet time, that's when we all get the coughing fits or the kids start crying? I find that whenever there's an important video clip, that's the time it doesn't work. 
oh, look at the excitement, you're all there. I'm kind of pleased it's not working because it ain't not that good a clip. <laughs> yes. I could, right, thank you. <laughs> Continue have a fiddle a bit, we'll come, we'll see if we can get it going. It may be that we need to do something else. Right, okay. So, let's just, uh, let me just go back to the Bible verses, but I missed out anyway. When, in that verse, before we get to the bit about the watchman, it says something interesting. Um, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. With you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I was looking at that. Isn't that interesting? That the forgiveness of God produces fear. And as I was reflecting, because forgiveness is such a miraculous thing in itself... It's so awe-inspiring that when we see the activity of God, there's a sense of fear. Remember when Jesus, um, I believe it was the, uh, the, the man who was possessed by demons, he came and he saw him released and the town went to him and said, go away from us, go away from us. They begged him not to be there because there was so much awe-inspiring. And I think there's something about the awe, and I think we see that a little bit as as these guys have spoken about uh, the Holy Spirit coming, that there is an awe that comes. That means that there's a fear there as well, a good fear in this sense. But that's kind of what I'm thinking. I I want the potency of stuff that it's not we just come casually together to praise God, but there's a sense of awe when we come together. You know, sometimes I think we're a little bit too familiar with some of the stuff God does with us. Um, I was talking to some folk in the week, we were talking a bit about clear sound, and they were saying, yeah, because I saw an angel then. You what? I saw an angel then. I thought, why have we not written that up somewhere? (laughs) If we were, you know, parts of other parts of Christianity, we'd have made a little shrine. This is the time I saw an angel. I mean, there's a whole bunch of you who've seen angels. There's a whole bunch of us that have been healed. And, and those are marvellous. We don't want to get familiar with those in the sense of like, oh, it just happens every day. We want to think this is amazing. We want to have awe and fear about those things. Any joy? No? Oh, well. Right, okay. Well, it'll be interesting how we go from here. Right, so the quote I wanted to get to is in the film, it says, this is what happens when God shows up. And uh, I'll describe what happens. He... The, uh, there's a little preacher chap and he asks to speak to this American football team and they're really not getting on with each other the black guys and the white guys are not getting on and that kind of thing and he starts speaking to them and to be honest with you his sermon isn't that good and he speaks and he says I want to challenge you to change it doesn't have to be this way he's talking about the segregation issues I want you to stand and I want you to change oh we're there I almost gave the punchline Look, I don't have time to deal with this right now. Let's go. Coach. Dandy, now. This is what I do. I help people. Dandy. You know what? You have five minutes after training in the gym. You talk to Stearns, you better be good. Now. Can I get an introduction? No. All right, guys, let's settle down. Bring it in. Guys, hey, hey, settle down. We have a motivational speaker here. You guys don't mind? Hey, guys. I got it. 
Good luck. Hey, everybody. My name's Hank. Hey, Hank. I'm not a coach. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a counselor. In fact, nobody asked me to come here today. I look at what happened this afternoon, and I think, aren't you sick of it? I mean, I'm sick of it. I'm not even from here. But does this kind of thing happen so much that it just feels normal? I mean, you don't know me. You've never seen me before. But what would you say if I told you that 100% without fail, it doesn't have to be this way? Birmingham has seen nothing but hate for so long. It has lost its ability to believe. It's lost hope. Let me tell you what Jesus said. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that means something to me. Because I let it mean something to me. I'll tell you something else that seems crazy. Only it's not. I love you. I care about you. Each and every one of you. I care about what you've seen. I care about what you've been through. I care about your pain. So does God. Jerry. I love you. What's going on? I said five minutes. He's been here for an hour. We need to wrap this up. Oh, Tammy, hold on. In your place. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but just give the guy a chance. We ain't got nothing else to lose. You don't know me, but I'm asking you anyway to stand up right now, right here, and make a decision. A decision to change, to forgive, to be forgiven. No matter what you've done. That's how much God loves you. I'm asking you to choose Jesus. Can you do that? Will you do that? me right now What just happened? As Lynn just said to me, that's vision. It doesn't have to be a bunch of stuff understood, but the lights turn on, yeah? And, uh, and we just have to be a vessel for God to speak through. We've not got to have the best stuff. 
We just want to be in the way. We want to be like watchmen. So let's whip through. This is, uh, this is what I think our response can be. I think that people here today saying, yes, I want that watchman anointing. I want to be ready to watch and wait, and I want to be one. My eyes light up, and my ears are ready to hear. I need to be present, not passive for that. I don't want just things to drift me by. I want to meet God and be filled. We know that when we meet God and we're filled with his spirit, we learn to love God and love each other. And it says in the Bible that... that the world will know that we're his disciples because of the way we love each other. And certainly if we had more time for some of the stories, we would have heard that kind of commitment, that loving each other, that testimony in that sense. And then I think for some of us, there's a confession there. I've lost my first love. I've lost my cause. I've lost my gems in that sense. I want God to restore it. That revelation that led to action and change. As I've been talking to people, as we're starting to look ahead to the conference in May, as we're starting to work through this stuff, this spiritual adventure, there is one thing that's really clear. The majority of us are wanting something more than what we have. We want change. So let's just take some time now to pray. And I'm asking that God will lay some things on your heart that you want to restore and see happen. That you want hope restored. That you want a new filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's just take some time now. The kids will come back at some point and we'll get some messages here. But let's, let's dare to say, God, I want more of you. I want something of you. Let's, um, let's just bow our heads and just ask for God to speak with us now. And I'll, I'll ask for some response. Thank you, Father. Today, we've got three options, but there could be more. And I kind of want to see some stuff happen. I want to see some stuff happen for us. You know what? The setup team, for whatever reason, gave us a huge space at the front here. So I kind of feel if that's not good for an altar call, what is? So what I want to invite you to do, I've not got a rousing speech nor a baseball bat, in fact, to encourage people for. But if you're saying, yes, I want to respond, I want to see something, come up front. We're going to start to pray. We'll, we'll do some worship, we'll do some stuff. But I kind of I feel that what we want is some, we want God to meet with people. Uh, if you've got words of knowledge and that kind of thing, come and uh, bring those in let's start flowing those but let's let's just take some time now just to respond and we'll start praying with people um we'll have a song as well just so we can we can respond if you want to you want to stand up that probably helps people around you to respond let's do that